2: Hello, everyone. This is Future Izzy just popping in to say that obviously we are both super across Sarah Everard's case, especially being here in London. And we really encourage all of these important conversations about women's safety that are going on. This case, just like every other case like it, has made us really sad makes us feel as women, we're once again all collectively grieving and knowing that it was just simply luck, that it wasn't us. We actually tried to talk about it and I ended up getting really upset and crying. So we stopped and decided that we really want to keep this episode as a light bit of escapism because as women, we all know how scared we are and we all know that this isn't a change we need to be making. We're not the ones who need to be any more informed about these sorts of stories or situations. And we know how tiring and emotional they can make us and how kind of non-stop the news cycle is right now. But for anyone who does want to hear us speak in depth about violence against women and a really similar situation, we did an episode in December 2018 called On Grace Mullane and the cycles that lead to violence that's obviously over two years old but we have no doubt that everything will still be relevant today given nothing ever seems to change but we love you all we hope you're feeling okay we hope you are okay and we hope that this chaotic chat that's going to start in a second gives you a bit of space to breathe if you're feeling quite heavy right now lots of love from us both
1: said i actually think it's the cbd gummies really yeah because i've been feeling a bit suey so suey is a self-explanatory phrase for <laughs> yeah. our friend of the pod tilly would always be like oh you feeling a bit suey and i was like yes yes so tilly is also the girl behind bus so yeah she's a iconic human full of phrases but um, yeah, I've been feeling in a chipper happy mood and the last couple of days I've just woken up and been feeling a little low. And the only difference is the CBD gummies we were sent, which I think the brand probably sent to us hoping we'd... Talk about them. them. <laughs> yeah. So we won't say the brand name, but
2: I don't think they're helping my life. So I was recommended by my other best friend, my best guy friend, Tom. Um, to watch... Can't be jealous of Tom. Can't be jealous of Tom, the best man in the world. Um, to watch Behind Her Eyes. Have you heard about this? It's ringing bells. Yeah, when yeah. it came out on Netflix people were kind of going on about it, but I got really confused with that other new thriller with the woman with the bob. Rosamond yes. Pike. Love so her. I thought it was a similar thing and then Tom was like, watch Behind Her Eyes and so I put it on and it's a six part Netflix psychological thriller.
0: Mm. And
2: it's set in London. It's set in Highbury, Islington. And it has a, like, Jamie Dornan character who's also from Scotland or Ireland or wherever Island. he's from. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's like, really gripping and really kind of... You just can't figure out what's going on. But basically this woman is stood up by her friend in a bar one night and then she ends up meeting this guy. And then the next day... Oh, they, they pass. And then the next day she finds out it's her boss, and then they start just having a work relationship or whatever. And then she bumps into the boss's wife, and then they become friends. And then it just, there's like all these crazy twists and turns basically. English do these
1: things so well.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of
1: crime thrillers, like they're not very high.
2: High yeah, not highbrow, brow, yeah, but exactly. they're so
1: well done. Yeah, then so Tom texted me. Judy.
2: Tom text me and was like, um, "Can you tell me if you like that or not? Because I've been hearing mixed reviews." Oh and my it's God, he's such an angel. I know. My face in my hands. I know. It's yeah, it's not highbrow or all, but it's obviously like very binge worthy and mm-hmm. so easy to watch. Yeah, you watch and... Line of
1: Duty. That's I watched five seasons in honestly about six days. Oh my it's gosh. my favorite show ever, and the sixth season's coming out soon. Same thing, just so ridiculous, mm. but you just it's just amazing. Yeah.
2: And I was like, okay, we have to guess what's going on because you just can't tell who's crazy out of everyone. And I was like, okay, we have to guess. And we just like did not get it anywhere near right. It's it's good. Um, so, yeah, I've been watching that. What have you been doing? You, I bet you've also
1: been watching Search Party or have you only seen.
2: Yes, it's so
0: good. It's so
1: good. I wish we'd made it. I've only really had that feeling a couple of times watching stuff. I had it with End of the Fucking World mm. and with Search Party.
2: Search party makes me feel positive about us one day writing a hit show.
1: Yeah, because it's that thing where it's obviously a specific group of people. Well, it's Jordan Firstman, like their group of friends' sense of humor. Mm. They've just turned it into a whole show. Yeah, so we should stupid. do that just for
2: after drinks. <laughs> yeah. Um. But HBO. yeah, it's so funny. The first episode I really, really, really liked. Basically, my favorite part, which I've already texted you, but I'm going to tell the listeners. So you've already talked about the search party before, but basically Alia Shawcat, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> she um, sees that her old, like a girl from college that she didn't even know has gone missing and gets obsessed with it. But I love so much like the scenes with her boyfriend. She tries to get a job and the person's just like, absolutely not. Like you're just not getting this job. You're just not right for it at all. And she leaves and she wants to cry. She's got that like stressed voice where she, she just looked like she was about to burst into tears and her boyfriend's just being so annoying where he's like, maybe they mixed up your CV. And she was like, no. <laughs> and then he was like, maybe blah, blah. And she was like, okay, can you just walk behind me just for five minutes? I just need five minutes alone. Just just walk behind me. And he just kept going and he just kept going screaming at him for so long. <laughs> that that's that was so me in my street. last relationship. Yeah, it's, um, it that's so why it was so funny. It reminded me of that.
1: Of my last relationship? <laughs> well, of, of like this dynamic where this guy's just like, not even your last one, but like a relationship in the past you've had, where like the guy's just really obsessed and clingy and just lovely, and like the more nice they are, the more
2: you just hate yeah. them because they just that was yeah, that, that was an ick. That was Joe. Yeah, <laughs> poor old, jo. My old calls Joe. My old him poor old Joe. <laughs> They go, poor old Joe. And it makes him sound like he's this like idiot who is a loser, but he's actually just this like really gorgeous, no, charismatic, like lying search buddy. He's so yeah. sweet and he's so cute and he's good
1: looking, and you can tell that he would just score with someone else. But yeah. He's just obsessed with this like girl who's just like,
2: I know you're a catch, but I just cannot just get deal away with from you. Me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Marnie, episode one of Girls, when yeah. Charlie tries to touch her in bed and she mm-hmm. sleeps with Hannah instead. That was me for like three years. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have. Two recommendations.
1: One is the Sunday Times. This is a great story for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got a call like two weeks ago and it was this guy, and he's like, Hi, this is Joe from the Sunday Times. And I was like, Oh my god, they've, oh my god, <laughs> they want me to write something. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: time? <is laughs> <it? That's> something <laughs>
1: that. And he was like, Your unpayment hasn't gone through for this month. Um, <laughs> that was so depressing, um, but yeah, so, um, oh my god. <laughs> I know, and that happened again where someone chased up again with the exact same thing and my heart still skipped a beat and I was like, you know what this is about. Um, so I didn't get hired by the Times, but not I did yet. read their profile on Anna Delvey. No, I couldn't um, get behind the bloody paywall. Yeah. It's actually not that interesting. It's written by Decker Aitkenhead. She's a really good interviewer. Mm. But Anna Delvey actually isn't that interesting is the thing about her. Like everything that's interesting about her, we already know. So, the Mm interview is not that fascinating. But she did reveal that she got paid $350,000 by Netflix for the show that's coming up, which is why she's getting Netta Porter and posting bougie stuff on her Instagram.
2: Right. That is a lot of money, I guess. It's It's a lot of money,
1: but it won't get you that far i don't feel (laughs) not if
2: she's not with her not with her her in her
1: pocket (laughs) and not if you're not gonna work like what job will she be able to get and then she said that there's another show in the works with hbo that she might have gotten some money from as well Hmm. so i don't even know if that's a recommendation but i just was curious about her money i find it so funny
2: how we get so obsessed with women who go to jail, like when mm. Ch- Chappelle Corby got out, and she just got so many oh, yeah. Instagram she followers that
1: she like boosted heaps of women in jail. That was a pretty good part. <laughs> she was like, "I won't say, but yes, I won't
2: is. say that I I don't
1: kiss and tell, but <laughs> yes." Um, and she was talking about the, the like hierarchy of women in prison. Um, and she said, "Baby killers are the worst," word, which kind of makes sense. But yeah, she's. I feel like she doesn't have much longer to drag this out for.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, She also revealed that she met with the guy who runs the Chilton Firehouse and Chateau Marmont Mm. um, during her scamming days and that had never come out before but they were going to work on something together which is hilarious.
2: Oh my god.
0: I
1: feel like she'll spend all her money on getting work done.
2: (laughs) Yeah, probably. She, um... Yeah, she's trying very hard to stay relevant but, yeah, to, but if she's not interesting, yeah, but yeah. if it's not if she's not interesting, then no one will care. Like it's like Carolyn Collaway is only still interesting because she's so weird.
1: Yeah, and she'll just launch an OnlyFans and like be charging ten dollars for, no, like whole pics. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's why she stays outrageous. I'm listening to Andrew Morton's audiobook of his biography of Wallace Simpson.
2: I couldn't remember who that was, but now I do. Because, simply because of the crown. Mm -hmm. And she's the woman that Queen Elizabeth II's uncle abdicated the throne for. And then Queen Elizabeth's dad had to take the throne. And that's why she's the queen. And he went, and then they won't let him back. They wouldn't. I just realized he's dead. Long Long gone. Long dead. (laughs) Long dead. Long gone. Um, But they wouldn't let him back in the country so he had to hide out in France for the rest of his life and it sounds like this beautiful love story because they were just in love but as you have now told me she is naughty
1: yeah so she's actually this fascinating figure because she was really chic and like into fashion and well-traveled and She was just a legend. She was like a lesbian. She was younger, according to Andrew Morton. And she used to – didn't have that much money, so she used to do stuff like take her friend's designer dresses and take them to dressmakers and get them to create copies and then wear them before the friend.
2: That is so funny.
1: Iconic. So there's parts of her that I love. Also, she married this guy, this random hot, like, sailor. Because she wanted to be the first person in her school to get married, and then he turned out to be an asshole. And then she wanted to get divorced from him, but it was really frowned upon because it was like 1912 or something. Mm-hmm. And her uncle basically her uh her uncle had heaps of money and was like, don't get divorced, and she got divorced anyway, and then a few She hadn't even got divorced yet. She was in the midst of getting a divorce, and her uncle died. And it turned out he was going to leave her his fortune of five million US dollars, which at the time, I just, it would be like $50 million now. She would have been so rich. And because he was so angry at her for getting divorced, he gave it all to like a women's shelter.
2: Oh my God. Um, Wait, didn't he give it to like an anti-divorce Yeah, place? he gave
1: it to like something for like single women that like couldn't get divorced or something. It was, he's, yeah, he was very like bitter against her. And then, yeah, she ended up like bussing the king ah yeah, she did great she did so well but then the king had to leave his country Then the king left his country i haven't got to that part yet i was interested if there were any parallels with megan markle because it's about like a king who leaves his country to be with an american who's divorced who people the public don't like and i thought there might be some parallels but then i found out she was like a horrible racist and nazi <laughs> sympathizer <laughs>
2: oh my god and him were like
1: super into hitler like they went and hung out with hitler and now oh, is
2: that why prince philip spent time with the nazis
1: no there's there's some weird thing where he's like because they were german mm. prince philip was german yeah and his like sister was married to a
2: nazi <laughs> <laughs> prince william today are you is the royal family racist no we're not racist no <laughs> No, just no. Yeah, so that leads on to yes, back onto Meghan and Harry and Oprah. Um since our emergency episode, lots has happened, <laughs> such as the royal family released a statement. So I was like fucking chomping at the bit like the Simon Rocha collection for this Buckingham Palace statement on Monday. I kept refreshing the internet, the web. <laughs> and then on Tuesday I had Buckingham Palace and I kept refreshing on Twitter and Google because I was like, you guys Did like you? have to say something. Did you just sat refreshing until they said something. Yeah, I sat there all day, no food or water. <laughs> <laughs> no, and then Skeleton. 6 p.m. rolls around. And um It took them till six pm. Six PM Tuesday. What would you actually honestly
1: give to see the behind the scenes conversations?
2: I think what was happening was Not really involving the senior royals that much. I think it was the press team in a fucking meltdown trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. And then the press team would go and present, like, two different options to the Queen. And the Queen would just sign off on them. I think the the stress would be in this press team's room, being like, what the fuck are we going to say? I'm
1: just trying to think, like, my grandparents are in their 80s. The Queen's in her late 90s. (laughs) Like They're so old, you're not fully with it, you know. Like I'm, I know the Queen is with it, but I'm like her husband's in hospital. She's, I just, I don't think she's as actively involved in the crisis response to this as you no. said, as people would imagine. Yeah,
2: but then she releases a statement, and this is me not even reading it, but I basically not word for word, and it goes, it begins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it begins. The whole family, or my whole family, is very saddened to hear of how difficult these past few years have been for Harry and Meghan. Mm the The things raised, particularly that of race, are very concerning. And while recollections may differ or something, they will be taken very seriously and dealt to in a private matter. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be a very loved part of this family which you thought that that was a cute a nice statement and i was like the queen is fuming (laughs) i
1: I thought it was nice i thought she was just being like everyone relax everything's fine we're gonna chat to them behind the scenes it's all cool
2: yeah i mean i think they knew they had to release a statement but it's good that they did release one and just say they're very loved we're really sad about hearing about how bad it's been for them but the fact that they didn't properly condemn racism Mm -hmm. was quite bad And then, so on Monday, before the statement came out, Prince Charles went and did a visit at a hospital and then promptly released a a carousel on Instagram of four photos, all of them with him with black people.
1: It was so, like, what people were doing in July. Yeah. Where people were just putting up these, like, awkward, where brands were putting up these, like, awkward hastily shot campaigns with black models or like putting up random weird old pictures from years ago with black models had that energy of like a hasty pr band-aid situation that was just so much more like cringy than
2: yeah, so embarrassing if they hadn't so he was leaving that And someone said, have you watched the interview yet? And he just chuckled, like looked at the journalist and chuckled and got in the car. I was like, dude, you don't want to be chuckling when your own son and his wife have said that they had severe mental health issues under your watch and you guys aren't even helping them or contacting them. And then, yeah, the Queen released that statement. And then today, William and Kate were out and about and a journalist said, have you spoken to your brother yet? And William said, I haven't yet, but I will. I was like, it's fucking Thursday, and you haven't talked to Harry. You haven't, like, reached out to him. That's horrible. That's crazy that's that they haven't horrible. talked yet. And I the can't crazy... believe he just admitted that, thinking that that's not, like, the most wild thing to say ever. If my sister went on TV and talked to Oprah and said that, like, <laughs> you were a racist. <laughs> yeah. Like, turned to...
1: Yeah. Being suicidal. Yeah, no, I, I can't believe that he thought that was, like, a good idea. Like, I can't believe you didn't just think to lie. Yeah. And be like, yep, yep, yep.
2: Yeah, or just not say anything. Or good,
1: or say no comment. I think this whole thing indicates, even though it was so obvious from the get-go, just, like, how out of touch the palace is on the topic of race. And I think that a lot of the cultural conversation around it, especially in the UK, has been around this kind of topic that we discussed in our racism episode ages ago, which was about how... The reason the race conversation hadn't or hasn't really progressed socially is because there's this kind of dialogue among white people that you are either a racist, which means that you're like this actively aggressive, hateful, prejudiced person that goes out of your way to do things based on racial hatred or you're not a racist and therefore you can't ever do anything that's racist because you're not a bad person. Mm. And I think we're seeing like that dichotomy come up again now when we talk about the royals where people are saying, like, Piers Morgan is the best example. We'll talk about him in a second. He was just hysterical, being like, they're calling the Queen a racist, they're calling the royal family a racist family. It's so outrageous. And it it is, if you're looking at race through the context of Charlottesville and hate crimes and the KKK and this kind of active racial hatred, whereas when you look at racism as what it actually is, which is insidious, ignorant comments that have this combined effect of keeping a society where white people just constantly get preferential treatment then you'll actually start making some progress and it's just like i think it's funny to us because we've been having these conversations for the last seven or eight months it's like really hard to remember that these people in the palace are just completely ignorant to the fact that these conversations are going on at all
2: So pays to note that we forgot to mention this in our emergency episode but how harry was like literally said i'm like i've been doing the work or something like <laughs> so jade and so gorgeous he where he was just like, An like anti-racist king yeah i've been reading all these anti-racist <laughs> texts he's just so, he's like so fucking cute and he obviously goes to therapy it's like this is what a well-rounded man does and how yeah. um the Batuda Advocate, which is this funny parody Instagram account and website in Australia where they post, like, false headlines. They posted one of Charles, and they were like, Prince Charles baffled by soft cock son choosing to support wife and not leave her for dead. And then the, the <laughs> caption is, this is where we cut them loose, boy. <laughs> As the British royal family continues to descend into one of those public tabloid meltdowns that we are treated to every quarter century, those who remained on the fence are starting to pipe up. Duke and Duchess of Sussex have torn the lid, blah, blah, blah. Prince Harry's grandmother says allegations of racism are concerning and will be handled privately, meaning nothing will be done about it. However, it's Prince Charles who has been most disappointed by the interview, which is rated higher than Martin Bashir's interview lady, with Lady Diana, which was broadcast on BBC One on 20th of November 1995, back when everyone actually owned TVs. As the next in line to the throne, Prince Charles cannot believe his own son which is the woman he loves over the prestige and honour that comes with winning the royal family birth lottery and never having to work... A day in his life. What a soft cock. Prince Charles is reported to have told his brother, Prince Andrew, who is an alleged pedophile. He's seriously just going to go out on his own, is he? What about Daddy's 100th birthday? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Furthermore, the king-in-waiting cannot understand his son's decision to not actively undermine Megan like he did to Diana. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Yeah, they did another one which really lends itself to my conspiracy theories about everyone killing Diana. Queen suggests a family catch up in Paris so Harry and Meg can discuss the issues in person. (laughs) A car has been arranged for them so we can smooth this whole thing over, said the Queen today. (laughs) I'm, like,
1: very interested in how disastrous they actually think that interview
2: was in the palace. Well, I mean, Prince Andrew's BBC interview was such a train wreck. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're still fine.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, we've got to remember that Princess Diana's interview would be like Kate Middleton coming out and being like, I tried to kill myself when I was pregnant with Prince George. Like this is a big deal, but it's, it doesn't threaten the monarchy in the way that like the Diana panorama thing does. (laughs) They've been through a lot. (laughs) They've been through a lot of drama, including the Wallace Simpson drama that I've been listening to lately. I don't think there'll be much of a public response to this as much as I think there should be. Mm. I think they're just going to try and smooth everything over as much as is humanly possible.
2: I also read um, a really interesting piece on Vulture, which is talking about how important the crown was in helping the US understand the royals and helping Mm. this, like, the fact that 17 million people watched that in the US Mm -hmm. is saying something. And I know Mm. Megan is an actress from the US, but she's not Not that famous. And it's because the crown has just driven this royal... Like, we all fully understand what's going on because we've been watching the crown and feeling sorry for them through the crown. Which and is... I
1: honestly, like, wonder if Meghan and Harry would have felt as, like, emboldened to do this. If it wasn't for If that. the crown hadn't been, like, sinking in people's minds, the sympathy for people that break out of that royal mould. Hmm. Because That's... I think if you didn't have this context on what the royal family was like behind the scenes it might be a lot harder
2: to sympathise with
1: what they were saying in the interview because you could just be like shut up
2: <laughs> yeah and there was another really interesting piece that we we kind of touched on it in the emergency episode but on Navara media about how harry and megan felt comfortable leaving the british royal family because they had the u.s royal family to go to so they have the celebrities and the elites welcoming them in the u.s like they literally are sitting down with oprah who's a queen they Probably know beyonce in the queen of America. yeah yeah <laughs> like they they are being welcomed into this whole other era of royalty and of celebrity with open arms it's like interesting but it also just makes me really sad for diana that she had nowhere to go Like, whereas Mm -hmm. Megan had this other life to go back to. I do think royalty speaks to this
1: weird inherent thing we have as humans, which is, like, we want to look to people that are better than us as, like, (laughs) something to inspire us or something to engage us. Like, celebrity culture is built around the same idea of what royal culture was historically. It's this idea that some people are just born better than you Mm -hmm. and that it's exciting and interesting to look at them and fawn over them and obsess over them obviously the difference between celebrity culture is like to a certain degree it's earned versus just you're born into it so i think like harry and megan's skill set suits that american system because they're charismatic and they're very much on the cultural pulse and they know how to do media and they're beautiful attractive stylish whatever they kind of suit that American system a lot more than the English system because their personalities can shine there in a way that is kind of like Frowned upon frowned upon in the UK. Yeah. Even how Prince Charles's whole thing now is about tightening the royal family down to just the heirs, so how all their portraits lately have been. The Queen, oh Charles. God, so stale. William and thing, it's just such an out of touch, stale thing. But all of those people in that orbit, you don't really know anything about them. They're not meant to be charismatic figures. They're just these kind of figureheads. And you can see why you would
2: opt out of that system. Oh, 100%. Also, um, most importantly, Humphrey Yogurt is now being swarmed (laughs) by royal fans and has a new (laughs) flavor. You were on it first. uh, Banana Royale, (laughs) which they're spruiking to all the new fans. People are taking photos outside, like going crazy for Humphrey Yogurt.
1: Okay, I have to say something quickly that I... Have thought about since the interview and i wanted to talk to you about you don't know this is coming <laughs> God, do you think the royal families weirdly don't have that much money there was so much shit in that interview where it just all clicked in my head how they said can megan keep acting after you guys get married the stuff with archie i can't remember what i was listening to but i was listening to a about podcast. the security thing the security thing but people thought that him having security didn't actually mean just physical security it meant security in terms of financial security because if you're a prince you get paid on a payroll in a way that you don't if you don't have a title
2: right I actually have been reading quite a bit about this prince thing Mm -hmm. and the way that Megan phrased it isn't actually right in Mm -hmm. terms of her wondering why Archie wasn't going to get the title prince he should never get the title prince until charles is king is king but the right. way she was kind of phrasing it was being like oh when he was born there was talk about titles and then they were like he's not going to be a prince and we were all like why mm-hmm. and she kind of after saying the racism thing phrased it in a way that made mm-hmm. it seem like that was why but it's literally um not tradition at all it's only will's kids because he's the future king yeah and then,
1: kids, knows, yes, king, and then when charles becomes king he'll become a prince
2: so like her then saying that oh they were going to be there were conversations that that rule might be changed that's the bit that's weird and that's the bit that's questionable but there were heaps of people reporting the next day basically being like what she said was wrong mm. which is annoying because what she said was still really questionable if they're literally going to change this rule that's been around since king george the whatever mm-hmm. that when charles is king archie becomes prince mm-hmm. but Right now, he shouldn't have gotten that title anyway. So it's like kind of funny, her being like, Prince? And they're like, no, that's not how it's done. She's like, racist. Racist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But literally, I was thinking that thing with him, how they were like, we're not going to do it. And with the security thing, I know there was pressure in the UK about them not getting their security. And then the thing about, can she keep acting? The thing about, we can't afford this stuff. It just made me wonder. There was quite a few things that interview that would actually make more sense if you were like oh are they tightening the purse strings behind the scenes
2: well i don't i have no idea i, don't, I know I don't they know make a lot either. of i know they obviously like there's this huge thing about why everyone wants to abolish the monarchy is because it's taxpayers dollars but then mm-hmm. apparently they make heaps in tourism so who knows mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know how much they have in their actual pockets
1: versus what they think is
2: and, and also, like, all money. the assets that they would have are, like, things they can't sell, like, Buckingham Palace.
1: Exactly, because there's a huge thing in the
2: UK where Buckingham there's Buckingham Palace these... goes on, like, Facebook Marketplace. Airbnb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the West Wing of West Buckingham Wing. Palace. But there is a
1: thing where there's all of these families in the UK that are, like, they call it assets rich cash poor Mm, where the aristocrats have these long legacies where they own these these plots of land that are worth like millions and millions of dollars and they have all these ridiculous family heirlooms but it's also very like frowned upon to sell them so they open the house up for for tours or they like let films be shot in their house and stuff but the people don't actually have that much money Mm. and i wondered as i rewatched it for the second time that night if that was maybe a thing that could be playing a part in all this like obsession with Who's getting security and who's getting money or whatever because you've got to think about like megan and harry and archie are like the equivalent to andrew and fergie and beatrice and eugenie Mm. like in the pecking order of the Mm -hmm. royal family they're not really high up so i guess because
2: he's like diana's son
1: it's because there's a the media interest doesn't match the importance from the royal thing and i reckon that's where a lot of this drama comes in because they're like no we're as much of a pull as kate and william are but from the royal perspective they're like you're literally like twelfth in line to the throne yeah. now like we don't care yeah about and you. Meg's
2: like prince archie yeah and she's like <laughs> princess <What? Megan? laughs> i don't understand she's like do i have to curtsy now <laughs> <laughs> okay so piers morgan mm-hmm. so glad that he's gone of oh, good morning britain it was amazing he's such a fucking loser and <laughs> it was a long time coming but basically he went on a huge rant on Monday morning following the Oprah interview saying he didn't believe Megan's mental health struggles, which prompted 41,000 complaints to the broadcasting network. Including us. Including <laughs> us and including one <laughs> Miss Megan Markle, who complained saying, complained to the CEO saying that she worried about the impact that would have on other people who are suffering from mental health conditions to hear that someone didn't believe them a little the People's Princess. Mm-hmm. And then on Tuesday, his co-host called him out on air, and he stormed off air after literally, like, talking shit on and on and on and on and on about Meghan Markle. He has his co-host say, like, one thing, and he stormed off saying, I'm not dealing with this. It was hilarious.
1: He literally, like, a small child after saying that Meghan Markle was moping on Oprah and just complaining about negative press that she just needs to get used to someone was like the way you've spoken about megan markle is disgraceful and he was like i'm not fucking dealing with this yeah. and stormed off and like, and, just then the co- yeah, and then his
2: co-host was like we have had to deal we have had to sit here and listen to you
1: mm-hmm.
2: for years on this tirade because she stood you up like get over and it and it's just
1: so funny as well how there's so many media narratives about women being hysterical overly emotional and it's like pierce morgan is literally the most hysterical person i've ever seen on television it's just so embarrassing if a woman ever behaved this way if there was a female host of a morning television show that had gone on one social like drink with a man mistakenly thought he wanted to bus her was rejected by him he went on to marry a celebrity and became really really famous with someone like beautiful and much younger and much better looking than her and she just obsessively slammed him in the media (laughs) everyone would treat her like a fucking circus freak yeah and it's like pierce morgan has somehow been allowed to do that for years and he's been so instrumental in this like obsessive hatred of megan markle he's kind of spearheaded
2: it he's the one that like brings her dad on to talk Mm -hmm. shit about her pays them like thousands of dollars he's the one that all those daily mail headlines are him it's like He's literally an
1: animal. Yeah, like, Jamila, like
2: freak. Jamila Jamil spoke out after he was fired and said that last year she was suicidal because of him. Because last year, I remember the shit he was doing when Carolyn Flack died by suicide. He released like private text messages from a dead woman about Jamila Jamil online, on the internet. Mm-hmm. And Jamila Jamil was like, dude, you're literally releasing messages from a dead woman to have a go at me Mm -hmm. and she's my friend like this Mm -hmm. is so horrible Mm -hmm. and she said like that's how bad it got last year i was like you fucking the fact that he's been allowed on the radio for so long is like Mm -hmm. beyond and he will he'll just get another job yeah he'll like a hundred percent apparently there's a new kind of fox news station yeah he'll just that's the
1: thing with the stuff that sucks is that like it kind of sucks but it also doesn't it's like he just moves these people into like further more right-wing thing but it's just like that's just where you belong they'll they'll bring in they'll bring an audience with them there which is what sucks but it's just the price you have to pay someone with that lack of like journalistic credentials just shouldn't be giving the british people their news every day
2: (laughs) i'm so glad he's gone okay
1: what's up with lady gaga and adam driver's movie like it's all the internet's talking about today i just I saw some pictures of her like feeding him some sort of baked good. i think she was set. feeding
2: him a cookie a cookie oh we love cookies <laughs> we do mean grace are obsessed with cookies like chocolate chip cookies yeah it's the only treat i ever want
1: just a simple two simple girls <laughs> i've realized that i just do have like very simple simple tastes. taste no, chocolate chip cookies cheeseburger
2: <laughs> vanilla Nando's. milkshake Nando. yeah yeah yeah, I didn't even cakes. know they were doing <laughs> pasta, uh, curry, um. pizza with just <laughs> cheese. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know just they food. were doing a movie together until I saw them in the ski gear. And it's called House of Gucci, and that's all I know. And it's is it directed by Ridley Scott,
1: who made like Alien and stuff? Um I don't know, that's right? all I wanna know. But I remember like reading an interview with adam driver for the new yorker i feel like i've weirdly referenced this heaps in this podcast but it was shot while he was on set with i'm pretty sure marion cotillard on like a musical set on a boat which i feel like needs a fact check but i think i think <laughs> that adam driver weirdly sings and i wonder if this is perhaps a musical
2: no because i listened to him on fresh ear okay wait maybe he does sing but he can't listen to himself sing yeah he's like he's a weird dude there was something there was oh that's right on fresh air the podcast how they always play the clips of them in roles and i think he might have sung in a role or something and she tried to play him the clip and he walked Mm -hmm. out like he left he can't ever watch himself back or listen to himself back which is kind of me with this podcast to be honest
1: yeah i understand him we're all artists here (laughs) but anyway like love the suits love them as like a partnership this might be sexist sorry but like i just get the vibe from the cookie eating shoot photos that we were just thing of Gaga like hand feeding adam driver i'm concerned we're gonna get like a repeat of the bradley cooper over the top Tour where Gaga's like obsessed with Adam Driver and it's like very mm. over the top in her discussion of him and it's all just very dramatic and I'm yeah. just kind of predicting. I wonder that. if
2: it's a love story. I wonder if they're dating. It. I think it looks like they are. <laughs> no, not in real life. <laughs> On the movie, God. They're clearly, the clearly pussy breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> they're the Daily Mail <laughs> headline tomorrow and guess. <laughs> They're like clearly we we'll broke
1: the royal story. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they look like a couple. He looks great in his like cable knit shirt. He's a like, very anti-hot hot man.
2: The final thing we're gonna leave you guys with is a really interesting story that's come from Condé Nast. Is that Lindsay Peoples Wagner, who was the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue, who made Teen Vogue basically from being a Kind of Seventeen magazine. Oh, it, was, well, it wasn't it was really kind was of like the one before. Her, wasn't it wasn't Walter Roth. And then yeah, she, like took over. Yeah, someone today was like crediting her completely. I was like, oh, <laughs> Lindsay Peoples Wagner, who's gone to the cut. She's now the editor. Mm-hmm. She's amazing, but they've now hired a new editor in chief, Alexei McCammond, and basically the minute it was announced that she is taking over there was a huge backlash online because basically Alexi in the past, she's 27, she's so Mm. young, but in the past she had posted like quite a few anti-Asian tweets, which is a very fucked time as well for her to be announced Mm -hmm. editor-in-chief and for these tweets to resurface because Asian hate crimes are massive in the US at the moment because of COVID. Basically off the back of the announcement that she was being hired 20 Teen Vogue staff members signed a public statement to Condé Nast being like, you need to address this properly, Mm -hmm. like you need to do something about this, basically kind of saying that she shouldn't be hired Mm. and then she has released a statement where she literally said to to the Teen Vogue community, sorry to have met like this, but Mm -hmm. you know, I don't I feel really bad about those last tweets and I don't want it to be a thing and I'm sorry and I don't feel that way and then Teen Vogue released a statement this morning, which was the first thing I looked at when I woke up. They were just really, really vague in their response, which is just really upsetting because they've been so at the forefront of like mm-hmm. activism and politics and have done that. Like, we did that. We put that meme on our Instagram a while ago where it was like Teen Vogue in 2010. What perfume do you want? Teen no. Vogue in 2020. How to abolish the police? Yeah. And they put up this really kind of just vague statement saying that they're addressing. What's gone on, and they didn't at all even mention Asians in the statement. So,
1: and it's that thing that we've talked about in the podcast as well. Where I think this idea in terms of like racism to the Asian community I'm trying to remember the phrase and I can't, but when the stereotypes associated with your community are like positive. So, I think in terms of some of the racist rhetoric around Asians, it's they're like very intelligent or very studious, like at very high grades or earn a lot of money or like Mm. things that aren't necessarily considered quote unquote bad that there's this idea that the racism isn't as bad as it is towards other minority groups which is just completely wrong and i think like the recent spate of hate crimes against asian americans but also like asian australians asian brits is like showcasing that when you don't take this as seriously as you do other types of prejudice that it's just allowing
2: the problem to get worse it's a hard one because it's kind of it's it's similar in a similar vein to that bachelor us drama that we've been talking about for weeks where this bachelor us contestant was one of the front runners and then all of these anti-asian it was anti-asian right tweets resurfaced
1: that was another another one girl so the, the, the girl who was the front runner was all the weird plantation she, stuff yeah, right. slave stuff and then the girl who all the anti-asian tweets came out about was like a finalist in the past i can't remember right name, okay who'd posted anti-asian tweets but she's black and she's got all this like anti-racism
2: right yeah it's, it's yeah. like so hard because this this woman is being is saying i was in high school well she's not saying i was in high school but she was i was in high school i don't mean it and i want to work to do better i don't think that she's her getting a job but i don't think she should be getting a job at teen vogue which is
1: and it's also i think there's like a temptation when we discuss these things to say like oh it was seven years ago or it was like eight years ago it was when she was that's
2: not even that long 19 and
1: it's like when you actually think about that i know for example that i never posted things that espoused a hatred of asian people when i was a teenager yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, like yeah. i i get that you're younger and you're ignorant and i'm sure there are facebook posts on my wall that i would be very cringe to read now i think there's like a temptation to like boil down what you've said to something lesser than what it is by saying we're all just teenagers and then you read the tweets and you're like whoa whoa no this isn't this isn't isn't just some thing and you have to treat it with the same way you would treat you have to sub in the word asian in these tweets for any other racial minority group
2: if she was saying that about black people she wouldn't have gotten hired no that's That's what i mean and i just think
1: that that's like what's happening is this cognitive dissonance of being like oh because the the stereotypes she's joking about are like intelligence and doing well at school or whatever that therefore it's not as bad um which is just yeah, it's, completely it's just like wrong racism is racism. racism is racism yeah
2: yes that's a really interesting kind of evolving story because i think that if condenas don't do something more than that statement. That statement is getting slammed online. Like, so, so, so mm. many people are commenting on that. It's just, and, and it's just shit because it's undoing like years of work to get Teen mm. Vogue to the place that it's in now. If they don't do something way more drastic, then staff will probably strike, staff will probably quit. They've already publicly released a statement, which is really brave and incredible. And
1: I just think you feel like an Asian person working for Teen Vogue, I don't understand how you're expected. To stay working there with this being your incoming boss yeah. and with your voicing your opposition mm. to it being completely ignored which then just like continues and perpetuates the problem and like we said we talked about bon appetit which was another condé nest disaster so much of that was about the asian american community mm. it's like
2: they have a pretty sketchy history on that pretty recently yeah. You guys not seen the Reply or podcast? Yes. <laughs> Anna Winter to wants to get on the podcast iTunes app. Yeah. Shall we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Damn. Last thing to say is just
1: that Chloe Sevigny got married. You're speaking so quietly. Am I- <laughs> <laughs> whispering? Chloe Sevigny got married. Um, Chloe Sevigny got married a year ago but just released the pictures yesterday I three know. days ago
2: and in a very were, the most chic of ways that's so how cool. i want to i want to get engaged and get married and I not know. mention it to anyone and, and then, then surprise just, everyone on your like 10th anniversary then, <laughs> yeah years later i'll do a photo shoot and everyone will be like what we don't give a shit We don't care anymore similar to chloe sevigny i will surprise the world um yeah but no yeah she looked great i love that she wore a black dress she had baby's breath as her floral arrangement and she was seven months pregnant she's so cool could not be more chill or cool than that
1: yeah okay love you guys Bye. bye bye